0: You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Timberwolves, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. Make sure to check out the Lockdown Wolves fan rig website if you want the written content we have there. Also, check out prior podcasts to make sure you're tuning in to some of the great guests we've had on over the last couple of months. Check out the draft coverage we have. We have a bunch of prospect episodes. If you are looking forward to the draft and uh, looking for some some college basketball content now that that season is over, go check that out on the fan rig site today. We are breaking down the matchup between the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Denver Nuggets. Final game of the season, and it is down to the wire. This is for all the chips. This is to go to the playoffs, people. This is to face the, the Houston Rockets in the first round of the playoffs. Here to help me break it down... Gina Mizell is from the Denver, she writes for the Denver Post. She covers the Nuggets on a daily basis, knows the ins and outs of the team, and she is here to give us the inside scoop on the Nuggets Wednesday night. Thank you, Gina, for coming on the show.
0: Happy to be here and excited for what should be a fantastic atmosphere on Wednesday and and hopefully a very exciting game as well.
1: And talk about the the best kind of matchup, both these teams getting healthy at just the right times to kind of bring the full force of their rosters to the table for both these teams. Good to see kind of the the full complement of uh, players that each of these guys can bring to the the table.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you think about that these teams played less than a week ago in Denver, but Jimmy Butler obviously was not on the floor for Minnesota, and Gary Harris was not on the floor for Denver, so... Now, both of those guys are back. Gary Harris came back um, in Monday's big win over Portland. He did come off the bench, played about 18 minutes, scored 12 points, went four of nine uh, from the floor, had two steals, including a big one in the final seconds to kind of clinch that win over the Blazers. So is he 100%? Probably not. But, um, you know, Michael Malone said after the game that he thought he looked pretty good, which, you know, he's obviously running all over the floor. He's shooting. He even got up for for a dunk earlier in the game. So um, expect his minutes to increase on Wednesday, and just like you said, both of these teams are fighting for their playoff lives, and so they're going to put all their their best ships out there, and so that means that Jimmy Butler and Gary Harris are both back.
1: i got to tell you, I had on the Denver-Portland game while I was watching uh, Memphis Timberwolves, uh, and I I finished out the night watching the, the Nuggets in Portland. Really disappointing for a Timberwolves fan and someone who covers the Timberwolves to see them take care of business against Portland. And that really kind of leads into what I want to talk about uh, for the bulk of the show, which is how the Nuggets have looked over the last couple months. Uh, Looked really good offensively, especially over the last 15 games. In the last 15 games, they are one of the top three offenses in the NBA, averaging 115.2 points per game over the last 15 what do you attribute this offensive explosion to mostly on the Nuggets or is this just a great team effort to finish out the season
0: well the the offense kind of flipped in, in late January they they lost a home game to the Suns which obviously um, nobody wants to do and that's kind of when Michael Malone took the reins back off and said hey I'm going to stop calling so many plays we're gonna rely on this, you know, free flowing ball movement, which became kind of the trend last year, but had sort of pulled back a little bit on that end to try to improve defensively. So that was really the start of you know this this run for this team. And then when Paul Millsap came back from his torn wrist, um things got a little bit clunky there for a few games while they were trying to reintegrate him, but then he sort of started to come on, get more comfortable. Um didn't have a good game last night against the Blazers, but overall has played pretty well over the last maybe five, six, seven games or so. Um, And then, you know, other guys have stepped up too. You know, Nikola Jokic is obviously playing out of his mind right now, had another Mm. triple-double against the Blazers last night. Um, You look at someone like Will Barton who stepped into that starting shooting guard role in place of Gary Harris when he was out. He's really played very, very well the last few games, shooting the ball probably as efficiently as he has in in his entire career. So it's been kind of different guys at at different times, but certainly – Denver is known for their offense. Um, That's been, you know, kind of their calling card the last couple of seasons. And defense has been their biggest struggle. But you know, certainly over the last, um, you know, like you said, 15 games, even the last couple months, this has been what's what sort of carried this team. But I think the fact that they, you know, only shot 37% against the Blazers, kind of had to rely on their defense. That maybe shows that they can win some some uglier games and some games that aren't very pretty. I mean, that Minnesota game last week wasn't very pretty either. So they're hoping that's kind of a sign of maturity. But certainly your original question um yeah the offense has definitely sort of carried the day throughout the season
1: well you bring up how the defense can win them games as well it's not just the offense how much of a impact does Paul Millsap have on that now that he is back in the lineup I I think this team worries me just because I feel like the Jokic Millsap combo is probably the most apt to handle the Towns Gibson combo
0: yeah, I mean, you know, Paul Millsap does a lot of the, the little things that don't necessarily, you know, show up on, on the stat sheet. He won't blow you away with a bunch of blocks or a bunch of steals, but he's great at just being in the right place at the right time, at covering ground. I um, he drew a big charge on Yusuf Nurkic against the Blazers, that kind of shifted momentum when, when the Blazers were trying to tie the game. So just, just little things like that that is certainly a big help. And then just his, his veteran presence on both ends of the floor, really. I mean, You know, he's a guy that if you need him to take a big shot, he's not afraid to do that. If you need key free throws down the stretch, he's not afraid to do that. If you just need somebody to sort of rally the troops a little bit and calm everybody down, he can do that. So, you know, certainly that's the impact that the Nuggets were hoping he would have for the entire season. That obviously got derailed when he was out for 44 games with that wrist injury. But there's certainly been moments here during this winning streak and since he came back where he's really had a big impact in in a number of different ways. And a lot of them are kind of that intangible type of, of role that maybe you don't necessarily see if you just you know glance at a box score.
1: No, definitely. I think he's one of those guys that you need to watch the game to really sense his impact. And even then, if you're not in the locker room, I think that you're missing a piece of what he does for the Nuggets. Uh, going into the game Wednesday against the Timberwolves, how important is it for him to per? pitch kind of the perfect game against Towns. It felt like he was really getting under Towns' skin in their matchup last week on the defensive side, especially in that second half of the game. If he can pitch a perfect game, do you think that's maybe one of the underlying keys to this game for the Nuggets?
0: Yeah, I think that's especially going to be key given the fact that Jimmy Butler is back and obviously Mm -hmm. he uh, torched the Nuggets in the two games (laughs) that that he played in earlier this season. So, yeah, both of those guys are rolling. I think it's going to be a tough night for Denver, but yeah, I mean Paul Millsap. Um, you know, Jokic will probably be on him a little bit, but definitely more Paul Millsap, and and then you know just you you could even see in that game on Thursday when Jamal Murray had the awareness to draw his sixth foul and get and get Carl Anthony Towns out of the game. So certainly they're going to go after him in a number of of different ways, and and try to attack him both offensively and defensively. And so, yeah, that's going to be, be a huge thing in this game just because, you know, Cat's one of the best players in the NBA. And like I said, now they're going to be even more kind of full strength than they were last week. So, so trying to limit him is certainly going to be a big deal.
1: Kind of the advantage Milstead has here, too, being the the more wily veteran, is getting Towns thinking about those fouls. It has really shown over the course of the season there's been a couple games where if he's getting some fouls, especially ones he doesn't think he deserves, he becomes more interested in arguing with the refs than uh, (laughs) trying to clean up the act for later on in the game and he runs into that foul trouble. Something that you see from a younger guy who's still learning his way around the NBA.
0: Yeah, well, and I was going to say, as somebody who covers Nicole Jokic, um, he also sometimes <laughs> falls into that trap as well, where he's so busy arguing a, a call or a no call that he doesn't get back on defense and the other team gets an easy bucket. So yeah, I think that's part of the maturation process for, for both of these young centers. I mean, obviously both have tons of talent, have shown flashes of incredible play over the first couple years of their careers, but you know, probably still have a little bit of, of growing up to do, and, and that's part of the process of, of you know growing in the NBA.
1: We're going to get to a quick break for some sponsors before we continue to break down the matchup between the Denver Nuggets and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Talked about offense earlier. One of the things that's really concerned me on the offensive side when the Timberwolves are looking to defend some of these Denver Nuggets shooters is the three-point shooting for Denver. They are shooting over the last 15 games 37.9% from three-point range. Uh, that is 5th in the NBA. Really lightened it up, especially from downtown, which has led to some pretty crazy scores. Think back to just a couple of weeks ago against the Milwaukee Bucks or, the, or uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. The big point totals that they put up against both those teams, topping 125 points in both those games. The Nuggets have shown that they are quite capable of putting up a ton of points and then playing on the defensive side like they did against Portland the other night. What's kind of key for the three-point shooting for this Nuggets team?
0: Well, I think it's just that they have a lot of weapons um, that can that can nail the three point shot. I mean, obviously, you start with guys like Gary Harris, who's their top three point shooter percentage wise, and then Jamal Murray's got a, a really really great stroke, and he only went one for six against uh, the Blazers on um, the other night. But but obviously, I, that might mean he's due for for a big game. And he was pretty <laughs> frustrated with himself after that one. So you start with those two guys. You know, Will Barton, like I mentioned, he's shooting the ball as efficiently as he has an entire his entire career. He went five of nine from three in a big win over the Clippers where they dropped 134 points, so another big scoring output for this team. And then, you know, Nikola Jokic has the best three-point percentage of his entire career this year. You know, Paul Millsap can step out and hit the three. Even guys like Wilson Chandler going down the bench, someone like Torrey Craig, who's a two-way player that's now in the rotation, Trey Lyles, who, um, you know, gets some minutes here and there. So I think it's just the versatility of all these guys, like basically the only guy who cannot, you know, make a three point shot is Mason Plumlee. So, um, yeah, that just that just presents a lot of defensive challenges for for guys. Is is that you know different players can get free, you know, whether it's in transition, whether it's in their half court offense, um, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. So no, just a variety of weapons is why they've been so dangerous from downtown this
1: season. Well, if Plumlee is going to hit a three, it might be against the Timberwolves because they are very (laughs) mediocre defending the three-point shot and then 19th in the NBA over the last 15 games in knocking down threes. So they're not going to be able to keep pace, really, with the team if they start feeling hot from range. That's really the big concern here is that this team cannot figure out the way around the three-point woes that they've had all season long. And it doesn't help that the shooting of Andrew Wiggins has gone icy cold over the last couple of weeks so this may be a real big advantage and something that you see going into the third quarter of this game is that the Timberwolves really struggling from three-point range on both sides of the ball is something that rears its head in this one and I think it's going to be a big advantage for the Nuggets.
0: Yeah well it's interesting too because on Den- Denver just got off a, a long road trip at the end of March where they were on the road for seven games which was the the longest trip in the NBA this season, and and on that trip, they were terrible at defending the three-point line, and granted, they were facing some teams that shoot the ball well from outside, that are high-volume three-point shooting teams, and and then obviously the past few games, that that percentage has been been a lot lower, but they've been facing teams like the Timberwolves, like Indiana, Milwaukee, um, you know, teams that don't necessarily shoot as many threes, so I sort of wonder if if the, the dip or, or the improvement is be, is because of the quality of competition or just the style of play or if they really have to short some things up. But, yeah, Denver's defense, like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, they, they, you can look at their efficiency numbers, still not great um, over this six-game winning streak, but you look at their opponent uh, field goal percentage, it's uh, fifth in the NBA right now, entering, uh, you know, Tuesday night's contest. So they've, they've been better at, you know, when, when teams take shots, they miss them. So maybe they were, they're still in some of these higher-scoring games, like you mentioned before. Especially some games that have gone to overtime, which obviously creates more points naturally. Um, but yeah, yeah, they've done a better job of just um, you know limiting limiting good shots, or you know some teams have maybe gone a little bit cold against them. But yeah, the, the three-point line will certainly be something to watch on, on both ends of the floor for both teams.
1: You talked about Jimmy Butler just a little bit earlier. Again, coming into this game, he should be about a hundred percent. They've done a good job of the last couple of games that he's played in, keeping him to about twenty-two minutes per game, kind of easing him back into the the starting role, which is impressive for a Tibbs-led team to ease any starter <laughs> back into a role. It, going into this game, are you really is this the the top concern for the Nuggets? Is Jimmy Butler taking over this game like he did so far, long ago in December, or do you think that they're better? capable to kind of control Jimmy Butler now that they have the full complement of their roster in this game?
0: Yeah, well, I think it's definitely the primary concern just based on, on past results and mm-hmm. just because of Jimmy Butler is like such an ultimate alpha male, you know, which is something that the Nuggets have kind of been knocked for at certain points this season. Um, just that, you know, someone like Nicole Jokic can be such a dominant player, but sometimes is not as aggressive as maybe people think that he should be. And again, Paul Millsap's very calm, you know, probably the guy with the most Outward swagger on this team is Jamal Murray, which he's still a second-year point guard, you know, still trying to find his way in the NBA a little bit. But yeah, you know, Jimmy Butler, obviously, um, you know, not just the overtime game in Minneapolis right after Christmas where he scored every point for the Timberwolves <laughs> in, in that extra time, but um, he scored 11 points in the fourth quarter in in the game in Denver right before Christmas, like a week earlier, and, and again took over that game as well. So you know, obviously, Minnesota's got a closer, and that's been something that. You know Denver's kind of been searching for at certain points this season. Now I feel like they have a lot of different guys that could perhaps you know fill that role, but it's it hasn't been you know set in stone. Like yes, this player is getting the ball at every moment in the final five minutes of a game or something like that. So no, I mean you look at it, like you said they do have their full complement of players, and you know certainly Paul Millsap is not going to be guarding Jimmy Butler one on one, but just his presence on defense and the way he sort of directs traffic and can again close gaps and and keep things in front of him i think that's a a big thing and then gary harris of course you know will it'll really be a test to see how well his knee responds you know sliding laterally playing defense all that type of stuff just getting back into basketball shape because he will be on jimmy butler a lot so uh, that's going to be that's going to be a really interesting matchup just to see how how it all you know plays out with with two guys that are coming back from injury right now
1: it's such an interesting situation because not only they're coming back from injury, but they're also expected to kind of be the main guy in a game that is pivotal for the mm-hmm. both teams making the playoffs. This game, I can't stress enough how crucial this is for both teams, and so this is going to be really interesting to see which guy can kind of hold up and perform after an, an absence.
0: Yeah, no, and that was part of the reason why um, you know Gary Harris came back on Monday was because they wanted to you know, not throw him out there in, in a game of, the, of this magnitude, at least get him 18 minutes under his belt. Mm-hmm. And, and, again, he he looked, you know, he looked pretty good for the most part from my vantage point. Um, you know, again, I don't know how much pain he was in. I asked him how much pain he was feeling, and he said, nobody cares about that right now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so he's going to do whatever it takes to win, obviously. But, no, it's just it's fascinating that a game that these two teams played less than a week ago again, and, and just there's a whole extra layer just because of these two guys returning from injury. and two of the top players that are going to be on the floor on, on Wednesday night. And so it should be fun to see which one can kind of, you know, be, be the grittiest and, and try to, you know, push their team to, to you know, the biggest one of the season.
1: I'm glad you used the word grittiest there because I wanted to ask you, are you expecting kind of a gritty, a really dive for the loose ball and defensive push and shove chippy game? Or are you expecting something a little more high-flying offensive type?
0: You know, based on the way that the Nuggets have played the last couple of, of weeks, you know, during the six-game winning streak, I mean, a lot of these games have been kind of more of that gritty style mm-hmm. where, yeah, they, they've gone down to the wire and they're, you know, maybe it hasn't been the prettiest play here and there. I mean, certainly last night's game was not pretty <laughs> against the Blazers. Both teams shot under forty percent. You know, it's an eighty-eight to eighty-two game. Like that's not the prettiest basketball that Denver has played this season. But um, they sort of feel like they've been playing in playoff games for the past two weeks basically ever since they lost back to back games in Philadelphia and Toronto and that kind of put them behind the eight ball and every win that they've had since then has been absolutely necessary. I mean they would be eliminated from the playoffs if they hadn't won every single one of those games. So um, they've sort of had that mentality and that mindset over the past couple weeks that you know they're going to do whatever it takes. This team has talked a lot about belief and and again, I know Minnesota has had, to, has had their back against the wall too and has had to come up with some big wins. So, yeah, I, I mean, even though both of these offense, teams are very good offensively, I, I could see it kind of turning into a, a style of game that we saw on Thursday night where it wasn't, wasn't the prettiest basketball, but um, you know, still went down to the wire. And it'll be interesting to see which team can kind of make those clutch plays in the fourth quarter and, and again, you know, push their team to the biggest win of the season.
1: I think I'm okay with a gritty game. I think Jimmy Butler yeah. really, uh, really comes alive in a gritty game, and really, I, I really think he lives for those kind of matchups. So I'm hoping that that kind of produces the best version of Jimmy Butler.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and the Nuggets again, a team that's sort of been knocked for their toughness at times this season, I think has really proven a lot over these last couple of weeks that they can win those style that style of basketball. They can win a high scoring game, or they can win a game, or they do have to dig in defensively in the fourth quarter, so no, that's going to be, that that would be kind of the perfect capper and the perfect lead into a playoff series for either one of these teams, that's kind of how it should be I feel like in game 82 with with everything on the line.
1: It's probably better for Tibbs too, just saying that he got into the playoffs (laughs) on a gritty defensive uh, win, I think if he loses and misses the playoffs on a a high-scoring offensive game he might just have an aneurysm on the sideline, I don't think he's going to make it to the post game.
0: A game where everybody plays forty eight minutes or it goes to <laughs> overtime and they play, you know, 50, 54 minutes, all that stuff, yeah, that would be that would be perfect.
1: Exactly. And then everyone is dead for the Rockets game is is the goal. <laughs> That's the goal. Uh, before we head out here Give me a, a performer that you're really looking for to have a huge night for the Nuggets, whether that's defensively, whether it's uh, doing the chippy things or the, the things that don't show up on a stat sheet, or whether it's somebody who's going to score a bunch of points. Who is your star of the night for the Nuggets?
0: Oh, That's tough, just because we've talked about a lot of those guys, but I'm going to go back to Will Barton for a second, just because he, like I mentioned, he's done a masterful job. Stepping in for Gary Harris, um, I would probably assume that Harris will be back in the starting lineup on Wednesday, so that would shift Barton back to his kind of six-man role, which is what he was supposed to play all season until he sort of got shoved into any possible role that the (laughs) Nuggets needed for him because of of various injuries and whatnot. Um, Mm -hmm. But, I mean, again, he's just a guy that can – one of the few guys on this team who can really take defenders off the dribble. Obviously, like I mentioned before, he's been shooting the ball really well, and he's done a great job of rebounding and playmaking too. It's like you want, you look at his stat line, and suddenly in the first half, he's got like you know 12 points, four rebounds, and three assists already, and you're like, wow, okay, he's he's doing all kinds of stuff and he's another one of those players sort of like Jamal Murray where he has a little bit of that swagger and he's you know super candid with you know us when he's talking in the locker room he's like a very well liked teammate and he's sort of been one of the engines i think behind this rise of this team and the surge that they've made here trying to get into the playoffs so he's another one of those guys that you talk about Jimmy Butler lives for these big moments um Will Barton relishes in these big moments so um you know maybe he won't be the leading scorer maybe he won't take the last shot but i think he'll be a guy that um, you know, when you look at his numbers at the end of the game, or you look at his impact, um, you'll say, "Wow, okay, he he definitely had an impact on that game." And he had a great game in Minneapolis right after Christmas. So uh, he's he's been uh, <laughs> that arena has been kind to him this season. So we'll see if he's able to sort of repeat that type of performance.
1: Mm. I like it. I like it. Very good pick. Uh, and he he played well against the Timberwolves just recently as well. I yeah it's boring to say Jimmy Butler right it's boring to say Jimmy Butler is the the key for the Timberwolves here Uh, I'm gonna go with an outside pick I'm gonna say Derrick Rose is very important to this game Mm. I think I really like how the Timberwolves used a lot of their bench against the Grizzlies I know this is just a 22 win Grizzlies team but you saw Derrick Rose playing 21 minutes you saw Tyus Jones and Jamal Crawford playing uh 25 and 23 minutes. I like them using more of their bench and giving defenses more looks to have to deal with than the standard five starters that they usually run with 48 minutes. And I think Derrick Rose has been playing really well off-ball, and he's looked really good with some of the starters, like Jimmy Butler, Towns, Wiggins. When he has the ball in his hands, he's not looking to shoot first. He's looking to pass more than shoot, and he's shooting really efficiently, too. When he does have the ball and he's looking to score, he's driving. He's not trying to take outside. Shooting. Shots and uh, he, he's scoring efficiently and he's playing off the ball well, doing a lot of stuff, uh, Dash into the basket when he doesn't have the ball in his hands to kind of give Teague really good looks to to pass to him or Tyus Jones, whoever he's on the court with. I think if he has like a 15, 20 point night off the bench, that's going to be huge for the Timberwolves.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a good pick and, and if he's able to put up those types of numbers, I think Denver is in trouble. So no, that the bench could be a really interesting um sort of subplot just because of like you said how many minutes does the starters for for minnesota play and then just sort of the guys that denver has on the bench too i think that could definitely be a huge key in a game that you know it sounds cliche but everyone's probably going to be needed in some capacity to, to win for either team so that's definitely something to
1: watch I just recommended Derrick Rose as the guy you should watch in the last game. That's a pivotal playoff deciding game for the Timberwolves. So I need a stiff Who drink, Gino, Gino. Any <laughs> any articles that you have left to, or that you would like to plug before we head out here? Obviously, you'll be covering this game, but anything else you'd like to plug before we head out?
0: Yeah, well, kind of my preview for for the game on Wednesday is going to be sort of digging into um, this concept of belief and how the Nuggets have been able to rip off this six-game winning streak to put them in position to kind of be in a winner-takes-all type game. So like I mentioned before, um, they they lost two games in a row on a back-to-back in Philadelphia and Toronto. And after that game, um, Michael Malone uh, sort of assembled the team on the off day uh, in the hotel in Toronto and sort of kind of hashed everything out and and said, hey, do we still believe we can make the playoffs? And and obviously, uh, you know, guys said they did, and they haven't lost a game since then. So I've, I've talked to a lot of people over the last week or so about that that meeting and sort of what it sparks and so that's going to be um kind of the the center of of my story heading into tomorrow's game which again i'm i'm super psyched to uh to come up to minneapolis and it should be a great atmosphere and looking forward to it
1: fantastic make sure to go on the denver post and read about that Timberwolves faithful this is the season on the line here. Get hyped up. Get all the content possible to get you ready for this game. It's going to be a lot of fun. It should be a really festive atmosphere in Minneapolis. Really excited for this game and the closeout of a fantastic NBA season. Gina, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate having you on.
0: Thanks so much, Colton. It was fun.
1: And thank you to the listeners for tuning in to another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast,
0: part of the Locked On Podcast Network.